All right. Looks like we're here. All right. Hello, guys. Welcome. This is His and Her Story podcast brought to you by myself, Mr. White, and... And me, Miss Prick. So, uh, the sound is better this time. Yes, it sounds a little better. I think it was me. Honestly, because I think the way my chair is arranged, it's like at a corner, so it has a bunch of flat walls. So I, I looked up some of the stuff, and now, mm-hmm. funny enough, I'm laying in bed because it's all softness, and I'm not close to any walls. I'm in the middle of a room, so sort smart. Of. Yeah, I thought that might work a little bit better, and it seems to. I think it was all. Yeah, there. it sounds so, a whole lot better. Doesn't yeah. sound like we're beating our keyboards anymore. Yes, good. yes, it does. And now I guess <laughs> I could actually type on my keyboard and make it sound fun. <laughs> All right. Well, are we ready to go ahead and get started? Yeah, let's do this thing. All right. So uh, just a reminder, in case any of you missed the first one, just a quick summary of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We're going to be posting some podcasts, hopefully on Fridays each week, just for a little extra entertainment for you guys. And we're choosing just topics from kind of various times in history. We'll probably do some on ancient times and some on um, you know, more med- medieval age times. Mr. Weish did his on uh, kind of a more modern event, but still, you know, a good 80 or so years ago. And then today I'm going to be talking about one that is pretty current, happened fairly recently. Um, and so Mr. Weish and I are just going to be kind of rotating back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he may ask some questions here and there as well. So ready to get to it? Let's do this. All right. So... I am going to be talking today about a girl named Malala Yousafzai. Oh, I messed that up. I'm sorry. Named Malala (laughs) Yousafzai. There we go. That's the correct last name. But I'll be mostly referring to her as Malala throughout this. So some of you may have heard of this because, as I said, it's been fairly recent. But let's go back and get a little bit of context. So. Malala is from a place in Pakistan called Swat Valley. And for those of you that aren't really sure where Pakistan is, Pakistan is a country in the Middle East. It borders India and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And, oh, sorry, glitched for a second. It um, is a country in the Middle East, and she lived in a place called Swat Valley. And so in the Middle East, um, a group called the Taliban in about the, I think, 1994 is when this group was founded in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. And the Taliban is a group of kind of fundamentalist, which fundamentalist um, basically means a group that interprets some sort of religion very literally. So they, they interpret the scripture of a religion very literally. And so the Taliban, um, kind of begins to take over certain areas in the Middle East, specifically Afghanistan. By about 1998, they have close to 90% of Afghanistan. And they basically are coming in and um, enforcing some fairly severe laws, um, including for women not being able to um, do very many things in public in general and also not being able to continue an education for um, 12 years. So 
this Oof. is going to be important to our story here a little bit later on. I'm not going to focus too much on the Taliban, but did want to give you some context for this group. Um, one mm. of the reasons that several other nations and countries do not um, necessarily get along with the Taliban is because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to put it lightly, <laughs> yeah, is because they are known for kind of harboring, I guess you could say, several terrorist groups, including Al-Qaeda, who, if you um, know much about 9-11, I know we talked about 9-11 at the beginning of the year. Um, They, Al-Qaeda, who was responsible, um, took responsibility for the attacks, for the 9-11 attacks. And so um, that, of course, caused um, some pretty severe tension between the U.S. and the Taliban, and so the U.S. ended up going in to Afghanistan right after those attacks and basically um, getting the Taliban out of Afghanistan, to put it all in one minute of summary. To, uh, uh, you might, like, I I wanted to kind of focus in on also when you're talking about fundamentalism. Yes. Um, Now, these fundamentalist um well what what you were saying is like they're this is islamic fundamentalism but they don't remember you guys we studied uh islam and the quran is their holy book but they're not going directly from the quran they're using something called a hadith hadith are like stories told about the prophet muhammad that are not part of the Quran and they can kind of be from anywhere. <laughs> so they're not, a lot of Muslims do not subscribe to them. They do not believe them. So it's not only is it, not only do they take things very literally from the Quran, but they also believe things that other Muslims do not believe. Oh yeah. And the fact is we also trained them all how to fight and gave them weapons during the cold war because uh, they were fighting the Russians and, or the Soviets, and we were all down for that. So we kind of put them in charge. Yes, and then we ended up um, attacking them later. So, <laughs> um, yes. yes, and this is a good point that Mr. Weiss is making, one that I wanted to make sure we kind of emphasize in this podcast is, um, as he said, the fundamentalist, fundamentalist view um, that the people in the Taliban are taking is not um, the majority of people who believe in Islam do not um, agree with a lot of the things that the Taliban does. So it's really important to understand that, especially when we um, get to our kind of central figure as well. So I'm glad he pointed that out. Um, So where was I? Yes. Um, So the Taliban is in 2001 kind of um, kicked out of Afghanistan for the time being, But then um, they're going to continue to basically have their influence over a lot of areas in the Middle East for years to come. And one of those places is going to be Pakistan. And then, um, and Mr. Weiss, did you want to add anything else before I jump into kind of the the story? Oh, no. I mean, no, other than the fact that, well, like I said, that that we we train these fighters (laughs) and we encourage, we encourage this and you'll see, well, we might not be able to teach it to you this year because of what's going on, but America has a uh, 
we we do this kind of thing a lot. Yeah. Well, and there's actually, if you are interested, there are very current things going on with um, Afghanistan and the Taliban and the U.S. with a current. Uh, oh yeah. Treaty of sorts that was just made. So if you're interested, you can definitely look uh, more into it. I don't know if I have time to get into that today, though. So. Yeah, probably not. Um. Okay, but back to so at this point we're at. 2008 is where I'm going to kind of jump into the story of Malala. And at this point in time, she is 11 years old. So this is a girl, again, she's living in Pakistan in a place called Swat Valley. And at this point in time, the Taliban group that we've been talking about comes into her valley and basically takes control of the village. Um, And when they take control, they ban a whole lot of things, uh, one of which includes, as I mentioned earlier, girls not being able to go to school. And at this point in time, Lala really um, is pretty passionate about education and passionate about getting to go to school even at a young age. One important um, thing to note is that her father is a teacher. And so a father, her father is actually um, her teacher at the time and teaches at this local school in Swat Valley and it basically gets shut down and um, when it gets shut down along with about 400 other schools that are destroyed kind of throughout Pakistan um, when the Taliban takes over she kind of decides that she has a choice I guess you could say Um, and her choice is basically to just kind of stay quiet and not say anything about this or to speak up and her father and her mother as well she um was really i think um supported by her both of her parents they were a really big influence in kind of what she goes on to do Mm -hmm. and um she says in a speech i meant to mention at the beginning my sources for this i basically got from um interviews for the most part i watched um a interview on the UN um, News Network, which is the United Nations. And in that interview, she talks a lot about her father and um, has kind of a quote that says, thank you to my father for not clipping my wings and for letting me fly. And this is kind of one of her mottos, um, I guess you could say, throughout what's going to happen next is, um, you know. So real primary sources. Yes, yes. I use some real primary sources in here. Um, And so... What ends up happening, basically, and keep in mind, she's 11 years old, so she is essentially um, at this time, which is kind of crazy for me to wrap my mind around it, um, you know, all this (laughs) is happening, and this is one thing, too, that, I mean, (laughs) I think I've mentioned throughout the year, Mr. Weish, I'm sure, has, too, and, you know, it just, depending on where you live, things can be very different, and so if you're living and growing up in the Middle East, um, your surroundings and your day-to-day life is going to look um, you know, a little different than what things look like in the United States, just generally speaking. Um, and so kind of from this point on in 2008, it's going to become more kind of a, a daily thing to see attacks happening and, um, you know, different kind of harsh punishments that the Taliban are enforcing in her community. And so despite all of this, she Um, decides to start speaking out about education and um, basically how she thinks 
the school should be brought back and girls should be able to continue um, their educations. And she actually gets to a point where she starts speaking out on a British broadcasting um, system, the BBC, which some of you may have heard of. Mm. And um, she begins kind of raising awareness on this um, blog of sorts, I guess you could say. And at this point in time, um, her, her father is still supporting her and she's gained a lot of support in general throughout Pakistan and really um, kind of the world is starting to become more aware. Not really quite so much yet, but definitely the people in Pakistan are starting to um, recognize this kind of young girl and what she's doing. And so um, the Taliban does not um, agree with what she's doing. And so... <laughs> As Mr. Weiss said um, earlier, um, keep in mind, too, that, you know, the Taliban has in some ways been, well, not some ways, they have, you know, back when the Soviet Union and um, the Cold War was still happening or um, given things by the U.S. So anyways, back to the story. In 2012, so this was just um, eight years ago, there was an assassination attempt on Malala's life. And at this point in time, she is 15 years old. And basically, it's crazy. a guy um, comes on a, on a bus. She's just on a bus with a couple friends and basically asks who Malala is and um, ends up um, attempting to assassinate her. Now, he is not successful in this. She is shot, but she ends up surviving and is um, taken to a hospital in England where she would end up living Ugh. for the next... Um, few years with her family so really I mean just kind of shocking that you know a, a 15 year old there will be an assassination attempt on um it's really kind of I don't know hard to, to mind-boggling that yeah. you know at that young of an age somebody could you know want to carry something like that out the freshman in high school yeah yeah so um anyway she's taken to a hospital in a place called Birmingham which is a city in England not Birmingham Alabama and um <laughs> she has to spend of course a good bit of time the next couple of years really recovering and rehabbing um from her injury in in England and like I said they now have a house her whole family moved to the UK kind of for the um you know recovering and safety purposes as well. And so at this point too, um, let me try to find one of these. Oh, maybe I didn't write this one down. I had a quote, um, but in one of the speeches that I read, um, she said something kind of, again, along the lines of at this point too, like she had to make a decision again, do I stay quiet or do I start kind of trying to advocate for, the things that I believe in. And so again, she makes this choice at 15 years old at this point um, to use her voice basically and start advocating for girls, not just in Pakistan, but really all over the world and for them um, to start receiving more education opportunities. Um, and so she kind of starts uh, a, well, she doesn't kind of, she starts a fund called the Malala Fund and um, she ends up getting invited to the UN. She speaks at the UN 
and is really kind of becoming a really well-known figure throughout the world for what she's advocating for. Um, and in 2014, she ends up winning the Nobel Peace Prize. And the Nobel... I mean, she's like, what, 17? Yeah, she's 17 at this point. She's, yeah, Ugh. crazy. Um, mm-hmm. She is the youngest person to ever win the Nobel Peace Prize um, at 17 years old. And she's also uh, one of the Times People of the Year. So she begins to really be recognized by the global community. And, um, you know, I watched her kind of acceptance speech, I guess is what it is, on the NobelPeacePrize.org. I had not watched that back when she actually received it in 2014. Um, But it really, I really um, was just impacted by what she said in her speech. I mean, it was really just pretty profound and powerful. And again, to think 17 years old and she can have this much of an impact on so many people um, was just really cool. And she says um, a few things. I mean, she says a lot of things in the speech, but I wrote a couple of the quotes down uh, that kind of stuck with me. One of the things she said was, uh, so believe in your voice, believe in yourself and always follow your dreams. Um, I thought that was a pretty, pretty cool uh, quote right there just to, you know, no matter your age, you have a voice and use it. And, um, you know, I'll kind of get more to that at the end of the podcast. But the other quote was, uh, it's only 70, 80 years that we live. And why not live it for a good purpose? Why not live it for a service that can help humanity, that can help the world? So I want to help as many girls as I can to make sure they get quality education and achieve their dreams. So um, it was just a, a very kind of humble speech to watch um she talks a lot about um her you know kind of mission there's about i think roughly what i looked up about 130 million girls today in the world who don't have opportunities to be educated um for various reasons um a lot of those girls might be doing child labor as we looked at um back with our industrial revolution unit um that's like 38% of the U.S. Yeah, population. Yeah, so just a, lot. a huge amount. And she just really talks in general about, um, you know, why it's important for women to have this opportunity to be educated. She talks about, you know, overall just improving health, improving standard of living, um, and just really giving people an opportunity to pursue what they want to pursue um, is kind of the point she's making. But she basically starts this fund called the Malala Fund, as I mentioned earlier, and you can just look up the Malala Fund and read a little bit more about her story, but she has some, um, she's taken various trips throughout the world. Um, She's gone to places like Canada, Nigeria, Iraq, Mexico, kind of all over to try and advocate and work really one of her big things is working with local activists she feels um, pretty strongly about getting local leaders on board and then that allowing to kind of um, incite change in the area and so one of the examples she talks about was actually in Nigeria which is a country in Africa and um, in Nigeria she went there at one point and worked kind of with local activists again. And the government in Nigeria actually um, has a law in place now that 
instead of only ha- being educated through nine years, they're now educated through 12 years. So um, there is mm. definitely some success. It's not just, you know, words, it's a lot of success coming from what she's doing and kind of the people she's inspired. So um, she's currently, ha- it was one of her dreams to um, study at Oxford, which is a school in um, England. And she began um, her studies in 2018. I'm pretty sure that's what she's still doing along with um, her fund and um, everything else. But she did end up achieving that goal and studying at Cambridge and um, just doing all sorts of things that at my age of 26, I have not done yet. So (laughs) inspiring. (laughs) Yeah. But um, sure. Yeah, I mean, overall, it just kind of the word that came through all this was really just resilience and, you know, just kind of a story of courage and resilience. And, you know, in that moment where you could have stayed quiet, deciding I'm going to speak up. And I guess it really, um, you know, one of the reasons Mr. Weish and I are social studies teachers is to try and speak up about things. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, learning about this and learning your story kind of made me think, you know, what else could I be doing to, you know, be using my own voice? So um, just was really a, a, a kind of inspiring and cool story. And I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing about it. Um, I don't know, Mr. Weiss, do you have any more thoughts or anything? Yeah, I mean, what I tend to say um at least in my class, you, you guys have heard it before. You guys are the change makers. You are going to vote in a couple of years. It is up to you to change the world for the better. And obviously she's, she's skipping out doing that a little bit earlier than you guys, but I mean, it's up, it's up to you. You can make a change. And I mean, I, I don't, say things just to say them i believe all my students have to have the capability to do these things now obviously her circumstances are obviously very special right you don't live in a country like that and you don't have hopefully you don't have anybody trying to kill you but you have every ability just like she does to go stand up and to do something great and we believe in you and we know that you yeah. guys can do this. Yeah. And it really guys, it's y'all's, it's y'all's generation's turn coming up soon. So. Um, yeah. Cause we've yeah. got to fail you. <laughs> yeah. So we believe in you guys. And, uh, but, yeah. Cause it's a laugh or cry type situation. But no, seriously guys. Um, I hope that, you know, you got something out of this story and you know, it, it doesn't have to be going oh, and sure. changing the world in one day or anything. It's just, you know, little moments, little things you can do. And, you know, just like Mr. Wife said, believe in yourself and we believe in you guys and, you know, just pursue what you want to pursue. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. But, and staying on this idea of powerful women, um, I think my topic for next time is going to be about either one or a couple of powerful women as well that you guys might find interesting. Um, also, uh, I did, I haven't told Ms. Brickett this yet, but I did uh, come up with maybe a sign-off oh, okay. that we can do. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so I'll say 
it's not his story and you'll say it's not her story and we'll say together oh, it's nice. our story i like it all right all right uh, let's yeah. try it <laughs> all right it's, it's not, not her story. story it's our story it's our story all right, all right guys thank you all for tuning in and um uh, this will go up Friday, and I'll um, we'll have another one up there for you next Friday, and hopefully we can continually work on the sound qual the sound quality, and maybe I'll even put it in intro. I'll figure <laughs> out how right. to do that. All right, you guys have a good weekend. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys, enjoy it.